I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Who needs coffee with that? Oh, yeah. I was like dragging ass. I was totally dragging <laughs> ass until I hit play on that song. I'm telling you. Oh, I love it. I'm telling you. Love it. What a great song. I, we were talking before the show. That could be like the forever opener song. I think so. I think. I mean, it really gives me jazzed up. Totally, totally. And that's why I like having the music, you know, live in the beginning of the show. I know it's something we get edited in there, but it's like the music just kind of sets the tone for me. Oh, absolutely. Gets the adrenaline flowing a little bit, you know, kind of live without a net or whatever. But Right, uh, right. Good stuff there. All right. Uh, man, welcome. Uh, episode 144, if you can believe that. 144. And I looked at the numbers today. We are on track for 100,000 100, downloads by the end of the year. So we have to come up with something. Like, I, I think that you get the Geoholics tattoo if that happens. What do you think about that? Um, Not to put you on the spot. You are putting me on the spot. Uh, this, this conversation has come up. Uh, and my wife is thinking about getting a tattoo. Oh, see. So you might know, be onto something. we might be onto something. Okay. I, I am, I am not one of those, uh, one of those guys. To and be determined. To be determined. But All right. I am not ruling it out. How about oh, that? Oh, that's awesome. I'm excited. Uh, so exciting stuff there. Other exciting news. Uh, obviously, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we've oh been, yeah, we've been teasing about the Geoholics uh, fundraising shirts. They officially have been released now on all of our social media platforms. The link is there to get on there and, and purchase one. And as mentioned, um, uh, for the fundraiser, all profits, not a percentage of the profits, but all profits that are generated as a result of this fundraiser will go to the cause for sure. So uh, super excited about that. Yeah, it does say on that uh, link website, it says mm -hmm. all the proceeds go to Kent Grow. Oh, it does not. It does, but it says all the Kent, uh, go to Kent Grow, who is the sponsor for this foundation and that means that we are managing all of that and all the proceeds yes. go directly to yes. it. We Nothing is going to Kent Grow. Kent Grow or the Geoholics are not taking any of the <laughs> proceeds here. But I do need to give a special shout out to uh, Miss Peter Cox. Oh she yes. has played a very instrumental role in getting this off the ground and I just told her the other day that if it wasn't for her it probably wouldn't have happened. Oh, um, I, I know, know for a fact this would not be anything without Peter. Yep, for sure and uh, you know as everybody knows she plays a huge role in in keeping the show going. She does all her graphics for us and stuff like that and of course she's you know big on social media and helps there but uh, like I say we, we wouldn't be doing this fundraiser if it wasn't for her so uh, thanks to Peter. Uh, small cast this evening we got uh, producer Sean and myself. Hello, hello. I kind of like the small, intimate, three-person deal. Three, the I third do, person you know, being our guest, you know. But I, 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 I like it. It's it, it's comfortable. It's it, yeah, it is. It's, it's right in the wheelhouse. Indeed. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I do need a Mark Taylor injection once in a while just to oh, kind of sure. keep me on my oh, toes. Sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that guy. Um, what else? What's new, um, you, man? Anything, you know, anything new the exciting? only thing new, you know, I got to say it. I don't know if for those who listened to the show recently, you hear mm -hmm. my daughter on the opener. Um, yep. Uh, and today was Evelyn's first day in ballet. Aww. 
It's her first time doing anything. She's been asking to be in ballet for just about two years, and nice. she's five, so you can imagine how that goes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and we're super excited. She's super adorable and all kinds of fun. She is indeed. I remember those days, and like I told you before the show, your life is officially over. Once they start getting into ballet, next it's going to be soccer. Next it's going to be oh, sure. playing the saxophone or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm all for it. You are, Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're in for it, my friend. Um, well, how about me? What's new with me? Thanks for asking. Uh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I was just about to ask what is new with you. Well, uh, you were you had a trip this weekend. We uh, yeah, where'd you go? Did, what'd you do? I uh, spent some time in uh, outside of Sacramento. Uh, Megan was in a bond spiel, which is, of course, a curling tournament for those that aren't aware of that. Okay. Uh, really enjoyable time. Met a lot of really cool people, as usual, at curling bond spiels. Such an interesting cross-section of, uh, Americana. of society. <laughs> yeah, you never know who you're going to meet, and this was no different. And to be honest with you, I hadn't curled in like three years just because of COVID and then the podcast and everything. And after spending a weekend at a bond spiel, uh, I've decided to jump back into it again. Oh, really? Yes. So starting, I signed up for signed up for the um, the league and everything. So on Tuesdays here in a couple of weeks, I'll start curling after work, and I'm really excited about getting back into it. Is that uh, like a structured thing every Tuesday? Every Tuesday. Tuesday, three thirty to five thirty. So is that something the uh, you know other than you, the geoholics can come and commentate on? Oh, for the, sure. Uh, yeah, open. There's a bar. There's a, a viewing, a warm room where you sit and watch everybody oh, do their you thing. Should have, you should have said there's a bar at the beginning. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, so no, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to that. So let's move on. Uh, Sean, tell us about that incredibly heart pumping opening number. Oh, of course, everyone knows that is Metallica, a song mm-hmm. called Fuel. Uh, you know, a lot of people know this, but Metallica is an American heavy metal band formed in 1981 in L.A. by vocalist and guitarist James Hetfield and drummer Lars Ulrich. Metallica has released 10 studio albums, four live albums, a cover album, 37 singles, and 39 music videos. I don't have a single without a music video, but uh, the band has won nine Grammy Awards from 23 nominations and ranks as the most commercially successful bands of all time, having sold over 130 million albums worldwide. That's unbelievable. I mean, I've been a Metallica fan most of my life, I think. I mean, you know, I remember very well in a kid and my my mom not being happy with my music mm-hmm. choices, so that I dove right in, and you know, as soon as she didn't like it, I was there. Like that was oh, it for me. Oh man, that's so funny. So for you, it was Metallica. For me, it was the Sex Pistols. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you and our guest this evening, uh, Michael Bowman, who we're going to get to here in just a second, we're talking about the Metallica. Uh, was it the Netflix show? Yeah, yeah. Not I think it was a, it was a documentary. Good, but yeah. What, what were you saying about it? Um, kind of. It kind of Lars. Uh, well, it shed light on a lot of the stuff that you know. You know, watch the behind the music VH1 mm-hmm. thing from however many twenty years ago. You get the the general's gist, but this yep. kind of dove a little deeper, and you saw mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I didn't quite. You know, you always knew the guys had some personalities, and yeah. and yeah. there was some conflict there. But interesting, I didn't know all of the conflict, and it, you know, it's not the uh, rosy picture that mm-hmm. VH1 had sold me in the original behind the music. <laughs> I guess I should say. Oh, man. So you would recommend it for Metallica fans? I would say if you're a Metallica fan, you got to check it out. Or, and even not, it's it's it, it's it's pretty interesting. Awesome. Good to know. Uh, quick shout out, Diamondback Lancerving Studio. Um, I got to give uh, TK a call. 
because we haven't seen our whiskey yet, and I'm beginning to think maybe he's uh, either drank it or given it away to somebody else. Uh, that was a case of whiskey, not a bottle. So if yes. he drank it, then we also have another call to make <laughs> yes. uh, for to, for some professional help for him. But we need to get that uh, in um, here so- very, very soon. We've been talking about it enough. Yep, yep. We only have 12 bottles, so yeah, right. talk about a limited release. <laughs> and they're all spoken for already. <laughs> so <a> limited release. <laughs> right. But uh, regardless, uh, we can't thank uh, Trent enough for everything he does for us. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. We need to get him back on again soon. I think so. As a matter of fact. All right, let's move on to this week's Producer Sean's Degenerate Lock of the Week. I got, uh, let's talk about last week. I think we have to. Uh, <laughs> in one of the more funny moments of uh, of this year, Sure, you guys all are aware that we did the second white week of uh, the lock of the week, and my picks were for a game a game that was on Saturday, and we released the episode on Sunday. So obviously, that doesn't help the degenerate gamblers out there if you so choose to go along with a fellow terrible degenerate gambler. But uh, so moving forward, we'll uh, make sure that I'm selecting games that you will hear about before they actually occur. Let's not lose sight of the fact that it was a winner. It And it was a winner. Uh, everything that I said did exactly happen. It was too many points. Ohio State did still win, and Notre Dame did cover that 17.5-point spread. So yep. uh, that being said, this week uh, we're going to take the Monday night football game, which is the Denver Broncos in Seattle. Mm. Russell Wilson going against his former team. They're mm. giving him 6.5 points. I am telling you that Russell Wilson has a chip on his shoulder. I am telling you to take the Broncos in those six and a half. I think he wins by at least 10. Are you serious? I am they serious. They are getting six and a half points. Yes. That blows my mind. I would never have guessed that. Uh, they are. and With that defense and an incredibly emotional and motivated. I think that you need to be a little more accurate with or maybe aware of the you're thinking the defense of 10 years ago. The defense now is not that same defense. I mean, Denver's defense, they have a good defense. Yes, I know. That's yeah. why I'm taking Denver. And I would totally agree. That's why I'm shocked. I would pound that bet. Yes. Well, I I think it's just because it's in Seattle. It's not more. I guess. I mean, they do have a 12th man kind of thing going, and it will still be loud, but I think... Wow. I, I think when I saw the picture of yeah. you know they show the the first week of practice when yep. all the when all the players show up to practice the first time and mm-hmm. they're showing all the guys stroll into training camp and Russell Wilson was the only guy of all those videos and pictures that wore his own jersey on the first day of practice <laughs> to training camp that tells me he's all in and oh, he has wow. a chip on his shoulder and he will make if it's late he will have an extra touchdown just to prove a point which is why I like that six and absolutely a half I'm uh, totally on board with that one all right fantastic well good luck to everybody who jumps on board with that one as well yes uh, we'll see if Bruce Sean can start the season two and oh two and oh feeling good about that Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolofsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. Recently, it was reported that the Agency for Aerial Navigation Safety in Africa and Madagascar, 
aka the ASECNA, and the French Center for National Spatial Studies, aka the CNES, have signed an agreement to help bring Africa's first operational satellite-based augmentation service, or SBAS, online. The new agreement is for seven years and lays out the terms for providing management oversight for the ground segment, space segment, and the overall system performance. This process has been going on since 2011, but it's been a long road with efforts to improve processing algorithms, among other things. The system is very similar to the European Geostationary Navigation Overlay System called EGNOS. The system is set to provide safety of life services through reliable use of GPS signals for aerial navigation. Additionally, the system will offer a service to the public that is hoping to achieve a half a meter or better horizontal accuracy across the continent, again matching what is in place in Europe. One interesting thing to note is that this satellite-based augmentation system will be the first deployed equatorial-based system providing the world higher geospatial accuracy while dealing with the worst ionosphere disturbances around the Earth's equator. Pretty freaking cool if you ask me. And more and more of the world is getting reliable SBAS every day. Soon, you'll be able to traverse the globe with sub-meter reliability. Woot woot! If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Uh, also feeling good about this week's Liquid Death Weekly Words of Wisdom. I am partaking in a liquid death sparkling water as we speak, as a matter of fact. And if you, our listeners, have not tried liquid death, look for it. It's phenomenal. Ice cold water out of a can. There's just something about it. There really is. So here we go. Uh, I love this one and it definitely goes along with what we're going to be talking about this evening. Here we go. The value of a business is a function of how well the financial capital and the intellectual capital are managed by the human capital. And you better not, I'm sorry, and you better get the human capital part right. Mm. That's awesome. And that Who is, is that? David Bookbinder. He's the author of The New ROI Return on Individuals. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good uh, good quote and leads right into our guest this evening. I love that quote, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it more. And let's do that. Let's introduce our guest. We have, of course, Michael Bowman. Um, I should know this, but I think Michael was on episode 62, 63, somewhere around there. But uh, for those of you that haven't listened to that one, uh, you guys are going to love this. He is phenomenal in every way, and I can't wait to talk to him again. A little bit about Michael. He was born in Bloomington, Indiana. As for his hobbies, he focuses, and I love this, on living and experiencing life rather than devoting time to one hobby. Interests are helping others both in their organizations and life find their way to a brighter path forward. He works in the not-for-profit space, is a cabinet builder, and currently he refers to himself as a cultural guru, taking care of both the emotional and cultural needs of organizations. I somehow made that made it through that, but anyways, Michael, welcome back to the Geoholics. Great to uh, great to talk to you again. As always, it is a great privilege. I know Kent, you and I talk a lot back and forth, banter back and forth online. And yeah. um, the last time we were on the show was a very fulfilling time. It, anytime I'm asked, man, it's it's a it's a double honor. So thank you. 
Absolutely. And uh, let's start off with the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker. And a little bit about Trimble. I got to mention, I have my Trimble socks on today. Oh, really? Double promo here. Double Uh, promo. Let me me see here. Yep. Here, there you go. The Trimble X7 socks. I was wondering what that was. Yes, yes. So here we go. Michael, what is, I can't wait to hear your uh, answer for this one. What's the best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I've ever been given. Golly, man. So uh, I had a mentor in my life. His name is Perry. And I really, um, in the book I'm writing, pay a lot of homage to him. And uh, one of the things that he told me, and this is something that I have instituted so many times in people's lives and in organizations, is he said, Michael, you know, if I, if I lift you up so high that no one sees me, I've done my job in life. And he goes, and as you mentor other people and as you guide and lead other people at work, if you lift them so high that no one else can see you, you're going to look good anyway. You're absolutely going to look good anyway. And that's probably the best advice that I've been given because with every client, with every business, even with my own kids, if I can lift them up with my wife and our marriage of 25 years, almost been together almost 30 years now, you know, if we can lift each other up in such a way that we don't care how we look, we end up looking good anyway. So that's probably the best advice I've ever been given. Oh, that's amazing. Love it. Show's over, folks. Thanks for coming. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's all you need to know what that guy said right there. Oh, man, that's so great. I love that. I love that. So, I mean, Michael, you've been doing this for a bit now. I mean, you've, you've done a lot of different things in your life, you know, life coach, pastor, mentor, as you just mentioned, and the whole culture guru thing. Tell us how all this led to Bowman Legacies. Well, I worked in the non-for-profit space for many years, for, for almost 15 years, and um, I've been everything, you know, from a, a pastor and counselor, counseled kids, counseled people coming out of what, uh, federal prison and reacclimating back into society, and realized one day we were starving, so, <laughs> because there's just not a lot of money in there, and uh, I went right in the blue-collar world, became a driller in the mining industry, and became a miner, and I absolutely loved it. But um, I couldn't help but to bring that kind of background that I'd had, you know, almost at that point, you know, 15 years of counseling people and guiding people into that. And it just kept jettisoning jettisoning me to the next place, the next place, the next place. And I ended up um, at a place called Turner Mining Group uh, for two years. I worked there and we were the fastest growing mining company, I think, in the world at that time. We were just booming. A lot was happening. And I got a lot of uh, notoriety during that time. Got a worldwide following at that time. Wow. And, um, you know, we do posts and, and pull off a 600,000 views in overnight type of thing it was very overwhelming and humbling. But during that time, I had a lot of presidents and CEOs hitting me up online to mentor them. And it just kept happening. You know, somebody else would call, somebody else would call. They'd have 30, 40 employees. They'd have 300 employees. They'd have 2000 employees trying to understand how to lead on a high level because, the things that I was preaching then was, and, and still preach now, the higher level you learn how to lead both self and others that you share life with, the higher production, no matter what it is, the mm-hmm. higher the production rate goes. And with production, high production rates comes efficiency. With efficiency, high production rates, you get productivity. And with productivity, you get profit. They just line right up, but you got to put people before profit. You got to put people for production. And one day I just told my wife, I said, you know what? I think, I think I could actually make a business of this. I think I could actually become a consultant 
And uh, I have that life coach. I have that counseling background. I think this just makes this a good marriage because I feel like if you don't work on you, you can't lead on a high level. You just can't. It just mm. doesn't work. And so um, I can take you to the GPS location. Here you go, your Tremble system. We can get over there, the Tremble system, and show uh, where I was walking on this country road. And I, I looked at my wife and I said, man, what if this doesn't work? And she looked right at me and said, but what if it does? Mm. Uh. And yeah, so almost three years later, here we are. We're still working with businesses, still mentoring people. We do one-on-one coaching. We do leadership uh, consulting within organizations. And we lead everything from sales teams to production teams. It, doesn't really matter from the industrial complex to um, we worked for an ad agency at one point as a client. We've had uh, a home builder that built $8 million homes for people. And um, we've had mining clients. We've had people that were uh, ran chemicals companies. We have a client that runs things uh, on the East coast from Maine all the way to South Carolina. And so leadership just kind of bleeds over into everything. And, we've been doing it for almost three years now. And so that's how it all happened. It just, it was kind of like this overwhelming, very terrifying and scary thing. And we made the jump and we're still here. So you yeah. we can't complain about that. that. That's amazing. And one of the, one of the, like the ripple effects of us doing this show is, and I, I had no idea that this is something that w- w- was going to happen, but we get to talk to people like yourself and I mm-hmm. get to look at myself in the mirror and look at my weaknesses and learn from, you know, people like you, Michael. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to have the rest of this conversation. You know, when it comes to weaknesses, you know, you, I like to say, let's camp out there for a minute, right? When it comes to weaknesses, I think we have this sick fascination with success and what that looks like. And just to be very transparent, I say this in my book that I'm writing. um, uh, A million years ago, the three of us woke up in the morning, got out of our cave, and you took a dump, Kent, and didn't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. You were a success. (laughs) If the three of us ate this week, we're a success. Hmm. Now, if if the horde came and we had to either run and hide or we were able to defend ourselves, success. And so we have so uh, distorted what success looks like and how to compute failure. When an infant falls down and tries to get up, all of us are dads. So when our kids try to get up and down, get up and down, get up and down, and they fell and they bumped their little hind end, they cried, they got over it, but they kept trying. And by the time they were one and some change, those kids were up and walking. And before you knew it, they were up and running. You know, you had mentioned earlier that your daughter's five and she's starting ballet. My daughter's been in ballet since she was very young. She's gotten the lead role in the Nutcracker for Indiana University for like three or four years in a row. She's a little child phenom. She is doing wonderfully well, but she started off getting up and falling down. And there's just no shame for them in the crying. There's no shame in that pain. So when you have shortfalls or shortcomings in your life, I'm here to tell you, you can absolutely work through those things, but you must be intentional and you must take the shame out of the pain of that. Once you take the shame out of the pain of being a quote unquote failure, then you can move forward strategically and take all of the emotion out of it. And now you're looking at it logically. And then when you do that for you, you are able to emulate that for others. And that's how you build a legacy. And that's how we change people. And that's how we grow our teams, our families and ourselves in such a way that we take the shame away from the pain. I love that. And something you said there is looking at failure logically. 
That's that's hard to do. First of all, I mean, first of all, I mean, men, let's look at, I'm looking at myself, men, you know, we're so prideful. Um, it's hard for us to admit weaknesses or that we're failing at something. Oh, sure. yeah. Um, I'm sure that's something that you, you know, have to deal with every day in what you're doing, Michael, right? Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> we live in a society where you don't, it's not easy to be vulnerable. Uh, one of the reasons why it's easy to be uh, not easy to be vulnerable is because of other people shaming you for that vulnerability, no matter what that vulnerability is. So we camp out and we hide from those things. And oftentimes, that's what I find in businesses as well. We, ha- we, we camp out and we hide from the actual underlining issues that's keeping us from rising above and beating the competition and leading on a high level. So what we do at Bowman Legacies is able to get past that trust wall in such a way that we, we get to the bottom of things. No matter if that's the president or the, uh, or the organization or entry-level leaders, we're able to dissect that as a third person. And what's great about us is I don't have any, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't have all that history of anger or disappointment. So for me, I, I'm just completely unbiased. And sometimes we, we need that, especially on that personal side. You know, um, years ago, talking about being vulnerable, a couple of years ago, actually 18 years ago now, when I found out my oldest daughter was coming into the world, I was a very angry, very uh, aggressive person. And so I went to counseling right away. And I told everybody, I crowed about it. I told everybody, it's like, hey, man, you might get some beers after work. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm going to counseling. <laughs> and I needed help. And I was man enough or I was adult yeah. enough. I was mature enough to yep. be able to say, hey, I need help. I need help. And, uh, you know, before we go even any further, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I heard like possibly 100,000 viewers, you know, at some point. Look, there is no shame in you saying that I need help. If you're feeling vulnerable, you feel like you're back in a corner to where you can't get out. You need help, and that's okay. And the strongest people are able to do that. So whatever it takes, get help, whether that's counseling. So many insurance companies now provide money or helps with personal counseling oh, yeah. through businesses, um, <clears throat> a friend, a pastor, Anybody that you can get to, to really reach out and start that ball rolling because it's worth it because you deserve to live a fulfilled, happy life. You really do. Yep, for sure, Michael. That was so well said. <clears throat> I do have a question for you. Last time we had you on, like I say, it was like a year and a half ago. We were still kind of in COVID at that time, I believe. And now we're post-COVID. How has, um, you know, how has your mission as far as Bowman Legacy, uh, you know, changed uh, over the over the course of that time? I think one of the most beautiful things about helping people lead, the mission never really changes. The mission just enhances. And for every client or every individual that we coach, there's just a new plan. There's a different plan because everyone is specific. And every one of those plans challenges you personally to get better because I've had clients where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to level up for this client. And I think if there's a change there, it's just in that leveling up. I think per COVID, Travel was obviously a difficult thing. I was so happy to get on some mine sites a few months ago and and travel throughout Oklahoma for a client of ours and see the change that we were able to bring to their organization to watch them be able to go from just a few employees to absorbing a a blasting company. And and now new things are in the horizon. 
uh, to be able to build that uh, infrastructure leadership with them. So to be able to see that in real time, that that was awesome. Mm -hmm. That felt so good to not have to be on a Zoom call or a phone call and be able to be in the moment with those guys and especially people that I've led for over two years now to be able to shake hands sure. and to be able to eat dinner with them. And we did, we played golf. It was such a phenomenal time. So that's definitely put a new wrinkle in it to where um, it's made the experience of what we do uh, a lot more fulfilling in real time. Sure. Cause you started this right at the beginning of COVID, right? Or shortly thereafter. Yeah. We right in the, the, the big crescendo of the pandemic, we decided hmm. to start a business. <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a it's great. That's Perfect a great plan. Timing. Yeah, yeah. yeah why not? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Have, have, have you seen any changes in companies? Maybe the way they do business, uh, maybe the way leadership is structured uh, post COVID. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Cause you know, we had a lot of companies, you know, staying at home um, unless you were an essential worker, which a lot of the organizations that I work for are essential working companies. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have a, a a client right now that um, a lot of their people work from home and they're just now starting to kind of to, to, to filter in. Um, what I see now is I think that a lot of people are more fulfilled now that they're one-on-one. -on -one. I think a lot of people really wanted to stay home, but now that they're back in the office or they're, they're back on site with other people, I think the dynamic of that has greatly changed for the better. Um, obviously I think financially our country and other countries won't see the full breast of this uh, pandemic and what it's done for quite a long time. We're going to give you feeling that, but I think the emotional need and emotional connection that humans absolutely have to have has, has gotten a lot better. Hey, Geoholics, we'd like to give a shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program, Cyanic Automation's job book. Do you think it should be easier to collect timesheets, daily work records, and invoices for your customers? Is it difficult to look up past jobs in a certain area so you can reuse control points and other information? Are you sick of using software that does not quite store all the customer and job information you need? If the answer is yes to any or most likely all of these questions, you need to check out Cyanic Automation's job book created by the workflow experts at Cyanic Automation. Jobbook is a modern cloud-based solution built for surveyors that works in the field. Visit their website to find out more at getjobbook.com and Geoholics listeners receive 20% off their first year subscription. So you, I know last time we talked, most of your clients were uh, considered, you know, in the, the blue collar category of workers. And you just kind of mentioned that as far as essential workers. Um, what, what changes are you seeing there? You know, like I know the skilled trades are facing a lot of challenges right now, you know, lack of, lack of skilled labor. Um, you know, the numbers are dwindling um, and just, you know, getting people to consider skilled trades as an option, you know, coming out of high school, let's say. Right. I think that <clears throat> we've not done a good job communicating that well. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, my dad was a printing press mechanic and a rigger. Um, he would always tell me, he's like, go to college or, you know, do something else. Don't don't go to blue collar work. And so I was never really encouraged to, to go and, and found myself in blue collar work anyway and feeling very fulfilled. I think what we've not done well to communicate to young people is like, you can make a phenomenal living. I have two clients right yeah. now that are ESOPs. They're employee-owned people. You can be an entry-level employee going for one of these businesses, and in 15, 20 years, 
it's very likely you can retire extremely well with these companies as they mm -hmm. are continually on the rise. And what I've seen is as we've implemented leadership in the blue car world, because we're like, we're, we're about 80 years behind the times. A mm -hmm. lot of companies are not upper executive staffs. They, they, they have been investing in culture for a long time. You know, you, we see this, I, I worked a lot in uh, Silicon Valley and San Jose, and you see that, that the idea of culture, you heard those buzzwords and those terms long before we're hearing them in the blue collar world. So we're behind the times now. You know, when I was a kid, it was Michael, do as I say, when I say, how I say, because if you don't, I'm going to fire you. Mm. And it's not that big a deal because I've got, I literally had a boss tell me, I have 90 applications in my drawer. I'll pick one that has the same name, the same eye color. I won't have to change a thing. <laughs> right. Plug them in. <laughs> And, you know, back then you just worked. Xers were people, you know, we we're hardworking people. We we're, you know, we we're accustomed to blue collar work. And so we just put our nose to the grindstone. We put up with bad culture. We put up with bad leadership. And now these younger generations are just sick of it. And they don't want to. They don't feel like they have to. And they find alternatives to make a living. It's not like all of these people hmm. are not living. Right. They're obviously making a living out there somewhere. And what we need to do in the blue collar world is start to lead on a high level. What I've seen in the organizations that I've implemented, uh, like a system that we have called pay homage to the king, which is also a coursework that we're, we're doing and implementing into our coaching. With pay homage to the king, what we're finding is as culture changes to a positive, cohesive culture and everyone is on the same page and is held accountable as accountability is the chief cornerstone to a good culture. This isn't anything flaky. This isn't you just let them do whatever coming. No, accountability. But discipline, discipline, which simply means to teach, that is consistent, keeps employees. A good culture that is driving forward to teach, to discipline, to train, to help you hone your craft with intentionality, what we're finding in our clients is, they're, it's easier for them to recruit because they have their own employees doing it for them. Mm. Their own employees are saying at home, they're saying at the football game, they're saying wherever it is, they go, man, I love my job. I love my job. I had a guy who I'm mentoring, been mentoring him for two years. He had an uh, employee that had been in this company for 30 years. This company has changed hands three times in those 30 years. And he's retirement age. And the gentleman that I am coaching, he said, hey, look, you know, we'll call him Dave. Hey, Dave, you know, I know your retirement age. What's your plan? He goes, oh, I'm not going anywhere. He said, I've been in this company for 30 years and we're doing things now we've never done. I have got to see this thing through because mm. this is overwhelming. me." Now, here we got a guy who could not wait to get out the door. He could not wait to cash in. He's saying, no, I want to stay indefinitely until you kick me out of here because I want to see where this leadership thing goes. You see, when we don't have that Monday anxiety, that says something huge. That mm. Sunday night anxiety about what's going to happen Monday. When we realize that we're going to a place where people have got our back, it does something to us internally. You see, human beings naturally have tribal needs. And I feel like those tribal needs are threefold. First and foremost, you got to feel like you're accepted. How, how amazing is it to be accepted into a group? 
The second thing that you have to feel as though is you are validated. Validated doesn't mean anything flaky. It means something very distinct and practical. This means that in me, in me being validated, I feel as though you are listening to me when I raise the red flag and I'm worried about something or I need to ask a question and I want to grow in my craft. Not only that, when I have an opinion on improving something, whether that's from the CEO down, someone is listening to me. They're actually hearing what I have to say. I am not just some cog to make you rich. I am more than that. Boy, howdy. Then the third one is when that endeavor starts to move forward as a whole, they begin to feel whole because there's a mission behind all of this. There's something greater happening and people want to be a part of something where they're more than just a cog, where they're more than just the, hey, do as I say when I say. They want to be a part of something where they're not having someone in the queue who got the job because they're someone's brother-in-law. Mm. They want to be somewhere where the person got the job because they understand how to lead on a high level. And we've seen this in history in the most negative, horrible way. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. We all knew a little German man who had the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. A few years ago in our world's <laughs> history, my grandfather was actually in the German army when Hitler took over. Well. So I have firsthand knowledge of what went on, what happened during that time. My grandfather also smuggled Jews and, and people out of the country. And so um, he's a huge hero of mine. But we talked ex extensively when I was a little boy about what Nazi Germany was like. And the craziest thing was Hitler tapped into those three tribal needs and people. And he was able to almost take over the world and convince good people to exterminate millions of other good people. Now, how much more can you do if you actually have the intention of love and care behind your leadership? What if, let's just say, you are so passionate that you have a hunger to see everybody in the room win, and this isn't just about you being in the seat, isn't just about you having your ego, and you decide to lead in such a way that you're willing to lift someone up higher than that of you. The ability you have to accomplish great things is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I think that... that I'm almost speechless. There right. is one thing that you said that I really want to ask about before we go further. And you, cause you mentioned something that hit home with me and that was the, you know, getting over that fear of failure or taking the shame out of failure. And then you said something after that about, uh, you know, whether it's the CEO or your, your, your frontline leaders. So like my question is, you know, for me personally, getting over that fear of failure and taking the shame out for myself was a big hurdle that I got over and my success personally soared from there just because I stopped caring about failing. Yep. And what I'm concerned about now is the, the leaders below me that I am mentoring or that are, that are a part of my team. How do I, or how does a person that's mm -hmm. in a leadership role carry that fear of failure down to their, the leaders below them? And for the rest of the team, like, okay, it's great that I don't care about failing, but my staff still cares about failing because they don't want to disappoint me. And obviously it's something that I'm doing that I need to change as, as a leader of other leaders. 
how has that played into your coaching and, and, and some of the front line, you know, in the trenches leaders, so to speak? So I have a client right now that um, I've been with on and off for the last two years. And he has a leader right now that has um, taken on a whole new spur, if you will, of the organization. Uh, with some of these things, that kind of got to be sensitive and dodgy because, sure. you know, mm-hmm. client privilege and that sort of thing. So, but, um, and one of the things that he was doing, he's like, man, I just feel like I have all this experience and I feel like I'm so busy and I feel like I've got these guys out in the field doing these things. And yet I'm trying to run sales and I'm trying to do all these other things. You know, how do I pour into my guys? And I'm going to tell you, this is with intentionality and scheduling. You have knowledge inside of that head of yours. It is business knowledge. And let's just focus on this one thing that you just said, the fear of failing. You've got to, with all intention, go, okay, how do I bring that home and make those lessons real to my guys in real time as things happen? So you're going to have a certain soapbox for you. Obviously, one of the key tells that you have is this fear of failure. Okay, you've struggled with your life and you've overcome. Mm-hmm. So you utilize that and every time they screw something up. You utilize that every time as a lesson that every time they feel like they fall short and you make sure that you are with, it's like if you have a book and you're going to teach it to someone, you don't go to the last chapter, right? You go to the first chapter. So they have context. And then Mm -hmm. you go through the book one chapter at a time. You don't read the whole book at once. You read it one chapter, one line at a time, and that's how you do that. And you do that through consistency with these lessons. You have a plan. Now, each individual on your team, you might have a guy who doesn't, isn't afraid to fail. His ego might be the thing that holds him back. Mm-hmm. Ego and anyone that tells you that ego is a bad thing is selling you an ill bag of goods. Ego is what gets you in the door. Ego is what puts you in front of people you never should have been in the first place. Right, yeah. Ego is also what puts your head in a noose and gets <laughs> right. you're not careful. Right. So each individual, you see a great leader sees the greatness in his own team. First and foremost, he sees the greatness within himself and is willing or herself and is willing to admit it. Not in arrogance, but in knowing self, that is where it starts for you. And then you utilize that greatness to pull that out of the other people. Now for them, like I said, it might be the fear of failure for one person, but it may not be for the other 15. Everyone has specific needs. And as a leader, you must curtail to those needs and be able to draw them forward and do it in such a way that you're not fearing they're going to bounce and go someplace else. You do it because it's the right thing to do, not because it's the it's what's going to make you the most money. You do it because it's the right thing to do. That's why you do any of these things. It's because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Wow. Um, the, the, the three tribal needs. I love that. You know, you check all those boxes, you're in a pretty good place. Um, Companies that, and I I have to believe most companies do struggle with checking all those boxes, but is, I'm just curious, is there a common thread with, you know, companies that that you deal with um, that, you know, aren't, aren't great at that? You know, they don't check all those boxes. Maybe they don't have a clear company culture. The leadership isn't strong. Are there common threads in those situations? There's so many trends and commonalities to that. It's unbelievable. But I think the most glaring one is the fact that we reverse engineer leadership. You see, leadership is the one thing in this world that we can do or growing ourselves and growing as leaders, the one thing that we can do forever. 
you know, your, your little girl is going to be, I've seen professional ballerinas, 34 year old ballerinas, an old lady on the stage, right? A 45 year old NFL player is an old man, Mm. right? And, and if he's playing that long and he's been active, he's in trouble by the time he's 60, he's going to be stove up, (laughs) right? There's this limitations on what you're going to be able to do. UFC fighters. If you're a 40 year old UFC fighter, you're either a freak of nature or, you're in trouble. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we re- reverse engineer leadership. And what we do is businesses find out that need and the business was born, right? Whether that was, I we're moving dirt, whether that was, we're mapping things out, whether that was, we're building, we're making this chemical or this widget. And what they forget to do is they put production before people. And then when they don't know how to manage their people and their productivity is going down and they're losing profits quickly, they scramble and they become reactive. But if you're proactive from the get-go and you have a leadership mindset, you have a growth mindset, not a set mindset. The set mindset says we're making this widget and that's all we're ever going to do. The growth mindset was we make this widget, but I know we're going to make other things and expand and we are going to need an an emotional infrastructure Hmm. that can help grow this organization to a holistic place for people to want to be. So explain emotional infrastructure. An emotional infrastructure. I just wrote that down, by the way. Good. (laughs) I had, a, I had a client, so we created something called the Problem Protocol that we institute in organizations, and I guide organizations through when they're having problems. It's, it's an entry-level um, conflict resolution. There's four stages to that. Um, and I actually had a client tell me one time, so you're telling me we can write an SOP that says this is how you're supposed to take care of and mentor your people? That's an emotional thing. And I said, absolutely. You know, we, I, I'm not a big fan of core values. If you have to have integrity right now, you're listening to this and integrity is one of your core values that you have to crow about. You don't have integrity. There's, there's a pitfall. There's a shortfall there. You should have integrity anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And when we don't live by those core values, we kill our culture. We kill it because now you've made an emotional foundation. You made an emotional infrastructure there as well. Here you claim to be one thing, one thing, one thing in these, in these uh, core values. And when you don't check those off a list and you're actually not those, your people hate being there because they feel like they're living a lie through your organization. So on an emotional infrastructure just simply means that people know what to expect when they show up. It means that every leader is consistent. Now they're all going to have their soapbox. They're all going to be different, but they all have that same approach. They all have that same ideology of how people are to be respected and handled and revered. That is an emotional infrastructure. If you don't have that, you will implode because businesses grow that grow fast, always implode. I work for a company. We hired 300 people in a year in less. Well, in a little bit over two years, we had, we, they got dwindled down to about 50. Hmm. Wow. So let me ask you this. So, People, let's look at a, you know, potential new employee, look at it from the recruiting perspective or the onboarding perspective. At what point should a potential hire or new hire be introduced to a company's um, uh, emotional uh, infrastructure? Infrastructure, yeah. 
during the recruiting stage. Too many people try to get butts in the seats, but they're not recruiting for culture. You know, Mm -hmm. if your culture is we work our ass off and we're absolute savages and we're not at home, you don't want to get a guy who's got nine kids and is, you know, is loving their family and the family farm and is trying to raise chickens and cows and horses in the backyard. He's never going to be home. Home's his life. Why are you recruiting Mm -hmm. for anything other than culture? So day one, man, when you're talking to that person – you share with him. I once hired a safety, a national safety director to replace me for an, for an organization. And I told him this, I said, look, you know, I know we crow about a lot of stuff, but we're not there yet. We're not there. And if I tell you, we have everything at our disposal to go to battle. I mean, we've got tanks, we've got, we've got jets, we've got machine guns, we've got soldiers. We've got everything at our disposal to win this battle. When you get here and you show up and I have two 10 speeds bikes and a fishing pole, you're going to be pissed. (laughs) So before you say I do, I want you to know, here's what we've got going on. This is blue collar work. This is hard work. We work with blue collar people. We work with people who might cuss you out. We, and, and I already bring, but then I'll the executives of this place are striving to bring something greater than the world's ever seen but we're not there yet. And so in that recruiting process, that needs to be intentional right away. We're so at a deficit right now with getting people in the door, but why? One of the reasons is because you've already got a rep. You've already got a rep. If you were the best place to work and the only place that you're crowing about that is on your social media pages, because you've hired somebody to come in and take that over for you and do a bunch of drone footage. Well, that's great. But if you suck internally, the word is out. Mm. Everybody knows. And those that really want to work some great, work great, they're not going to you, especially if you're a 300 or less organization. They would much rather go to a big conglomerate, a key wit, because they know that there's going to be some consistency there. They know that that place probably isn't going to shut down for 110 years. If anything, is going to be bought out. And they would rather do that than take a gamble on you, especially when the word is out. It's like blood in the water, guys. Sharks can smell it right away, and blue-collar people are not stupid. Right. How does an organization like that, under 300 employees, the sharks are in the water, how do you get the blood out, or how do you, you know, do you have clients, or have you mentored or coached companies and executives or presidents in that position where, like, okay, we, we admit it. Michael, we got a bad culture. We want to fix it. How have you seen that? Or what, what kind of advice would you give those guys that have that, those small companies that people may not want to work for? Early on, I got hired by a company and um, I didn't get to actually hear everything that was going on there at the organization. Uh, obviously, I can't, I can't share the full breast of it, but I can tell you that, that um, the police had been there at times. <laughs> Someone had been shot. And oh, OSHA had been there. Ah, okay. Wow. <laughs> I, I didn't know any of this, guys. <laughs> and once I found it out, I remember going to my wife, Anita, and saying, babe, I, babe, I don't, babe. <laughs> I still have them as a client, and they're doing great. But what I tell them is, first and foremost, don't feel hopeless. I understand what it's like to be there. But what you've got to do is start over. You've got to start new. It's just like with a relationship. You are having a relationship with your people. You're having a relationship with your clients. And when you're sucking it, you've got to admit it. 
you've got to own it, but it's not enough to own it. I used to counsel uh, people and a son and, or a, a daughter and a father came in and the father was just an idiot. He, he didn't realize that he was pushing his daughter away all the time, but he would say he was sorry, but he would never change. So once that sorry comes, there needs to be intentional change because part of that tribal nature of your people is they're waiting for that other shoe to fall because when those same things keep coming up in the meetings over and over, you're talking about the same things in the meetings and you keep rehashing the same old shit all the time or the same cultural problems all the time or that one employee that just keeps, you know, just keeps uh, being corrosive all the time. When you say you're sorry the first time, great. The second time, eh, the third time, no one's listening anymore. And you will never gain ground unless you are intentional with the plan forward. You diagnose the problem. You know the heading you want. You know the diagnosed culture that you want. You know the direction that you want to go. And then you sail there consistently. Because then what happens to you is far greater than even starting off perfect, right? Because you can't start off perfect. But what's great about that is because the people who weather the storm with you during this time are now going to go, dude, five yep. years ago, this place sucked. I, I was networking like I was on Indeed. I was on LinkedIn. I had headhunters. I had, I had recruiters. And now I wouldn't leave here. If you drug me out of here, I'd be right back because things have I mean, they have changed. I'm telling you, when you accomplish that, and I've seen it, I have the data to prove it. When people see that, you got people that will say, hey, I couldn't wait to jump. I've been here for 30 years, but now I'll never leave because I got to see this thing through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such Love a it. great story. Wow. Starting to hit, hit home a little bit there, Michael. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, and, that's that's the first step is admitting there's a problem, right? Yes, and the yes. thing is, I mean, man, oh man, I mean, I have no idea if you know the answer to this question, Michael. But I mean, what percentages of companies struggle with these things? I have to think it's the majority. It's just it's like ninety percent of <laughs> there you companies go. today. Yes. And I will tell you that the ones that are nailing it are less than one percent. Wow. Somewhere in the middle, people are in what we at Bowman Legacies call nurtured culture, and nurtured culture just kind of floats along, and they're not really they're they're reactive to everything and they're really trying they're real they're in between that uh that that little five percent right there between the one percent that's actually doing it and the 90 percent that's absolutely failing you've got this little percentage that does nurture culture and nurture culture tries we try to be understanding you have leaders that are trying to lead from the middle and trying to do it right they're reading all kinds of books they're reading the 360 leader they feel read falling forward failing forward they read echelon fronts stuff and they're trying they're trying but they're not getting any ground because the head once it's sick the body's going to be sick you know we coach ceos we coach presidents and we like to do that first because when we do we get the head wrapped around where the body is going and a hundred percent of the time when we're able to do that we see rapid rapid success I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. 
Hello again, Geoholics. We'd also like to thank our good friends at Carlson Software, whose software I actually use on a daily basis. Carlson Software has been producing software and hardware solutions for the land surveying, civil engineering, GIS, and construction industries since 1983. Carlson's unique approach provides geomatics professionals with the most powerful, affordable, and independent technology options and the best free, unlimited tech support in the industry. I can say from personal experience, it is second to none. Their mission is to be the premier independent developer of land surveying, civil engineering, construction, and mining technology products. To find out more, visit carlsonsw.com and be sure to mention that you heard about them on the Geoholics. You know, there's, I see a quote and I know we talked about it the last time you were on and I know this is something that you live and I absolutely love this. And it is, you know, helping you build a legacy that will far surpass your legend. Let that yeah. sink in. You know, I mean, that is amazing. I've recently added to it. So um, building a legacy that far surpass your legend and inspiring others to do the same. Mm. And this, my friends, is how we change the world because this is much bigger than work. If you're a president or CEO to a business and you're, you're listening to this right now or you're leading somewhere from the middle, you have to understand the endeavors that you do at work are just as big as you do in the family and just as big as you do online or anywhere else in the world. You see, long after the annals of history and you have disappeared, you're no longer even a cliff note and you are far forgotten. The great things that Lincoln does, guess what? They talked about him every day for a couple of years. And after that, we still talk about the guy, but not every day, right? But the things that he produced that were beautiful perpetuate itself. And the inverse is true too. If you're putting out garbage in the world, it perpetuates itself. So I'm here to tell you right now, you are building a legacy one way or another. And I know what that's like. And that stuff circles around and comes right back to you. I've lived a life of violence. I've lived a life of anger. I've lived a life of ignorance and impoverished thinking. And it kept coming back to me. When you ask yourself, is the universe against you? No, I'm going to tell you right now, all you have to do is look in the mirror and that's the person who's against you. But when you realize that every day, every moment is an opportunity for you to do something great for not just you, but your community, this, my friends, is how we change the world. This is how we change the workplace, not with some quasi SOPs and over safetying everything and nerfing the whole world. We do this by leading both ourselves and others on such a high level with an insatiable desire to see everybody in the room win irregardless of their sex, their political affiliation, the color of their skin, or if they identify with a cocker spaniel or a television. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You have an insatiable desire to see everybody in the room win and you begin to move forward. You will build a legacy that will far surpass your legend. And it's such a positive addiction that I've been, I have held people's hands on their deathbeds, friends many, many, many times. I've done many, many funerals, many funerals. And I'm going to tell you, they never said, I wish I had more followers online. <laughs> Not one. Not one said, I wish I was richer. Not one. Yep. Is that a deathbed of a 92 year old woman? Happened to be my aunt, my favorite aunt. I actually did her funeral. Her husband was a Korean war hero. <laughs> and she said, 92, you know, when I was younger, 92 was could have been 110. She said, this went by so fast. Mm. It went by so fast. She goes, like a blink, like a glimmer, Michael, and I'm 92, and I know I probably won't see next week. Let me bring that home to you. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. I've been on the work site when somebody, there wasn't enough of somebody to put in a five-gallon fucking bucket. I've mm. been on the work site 
and I've know I've known people that have gotten split in two. You are not guaranteed tomorrow, whether I stroke out right here or I trip over my dog tomorrow and bump my head, you have an opportunity to build a legacy. What are you waiting for? Why are you letting the hurts of your past affect your today, your present? Why are you letting it hurt your future? Why are you being corrosive at work? Why are you continuing to perpetuate the ill legacy that was perpetuating in your own life, but you can do something better and all you have to do to decide. That's all you got to do. That's it. It's just that simple. It's not like you got to read this book or get this many followers or be this rich because that's all horseshit. What you have to do is decide and do the next right thing, whether that's at home or whether that's at work or that's even in your own thought life. This is the answer, my friend, that you guys have been looking for. So many wealthy people watched a wealthy man cry. He had a Corvette collection. He owned every Corvette from the first one made to present day. He had his own helicopter, and he could fly and do anything he wanted at any time. He drag raced Harley Davidsons. And he, my wife cut hair at the time, and he sat in her chair and bawled and said, I would give it all up for one day of happiness. Wow. So fame's not going to get you there. Money's not going to get you there. My dad said, yeah, money isn't everything. It sure is handy, but it isn't everything, right? It isn't. If you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy when you achieve that dream, when you chase down that goal. Happiness and joy and success is right where you're at. If you're listening to this and you're in a prison cell, I'm going to tell you you have greatness within you. You've made some poor choices. You need to own it. There's no such thing as I don't fail. I only learned that's horseshit. You failed. You own it. And then you make a strategic plan to move forward because I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can't do. If you're the last guy in your organization and you feel lost as how to move forward, I'm going to tell you the possibilities are there and you can own that company in 10 years if you're intentional and you want it bad enough. There's nothing that can stop you in this world except for what's on top of your shoulders and that's your head. There is no competition. There is no one against you that matters. You do you, you grow you, and you move forward aggressively. And I'm telling you, there will be no looking back and you will build that legacy that will far surpass your legend. And I guarantee if you're doing that motivated and love, you will inspire others to do the same. No doubt. Wow. Uh, I'd be lying no if I said I wasn't on the verge of becoming emotional, just <laughs> listening to what you're saying and thinking about, you know, my life and the people around me and, uh, you know, so many people that fall into the, the same categories that, that, you know, you just described. And if you ever start a cult, Michael, I am one of your followers. Yeah. 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 Whatever oh, that, I don't care what, what flavor Kool-Aid I'm drinking it, buddy. I'm, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> Let me tell you something out of your greatest pain can come your greatest purpose. And I grew up in a world where I was called a dumbass all the time. I was called an idiot all the time. I remember somebody close to my life saying, you're too stupid. I want to be a fighter pilot. And I ended up having a teacher that flew intruders for the Navy. And he said, Mike, I think you can do it. I think you're, you're smart. And I remember this gentleman telling me that I was so dumb that I just needed to get a factory job. And I grew up for 18, 19, 20 years. And I'll never forget a professor one day when I'm finally in college and I'm already married. And she looked at me, and she goes, you realize that you're brilliant? <laughs> I laughed in her face. Like I laughed out loud in her face. Wow. And then when I had my algebra, my pre-algebra teacher, he was like, you're setting the curve. And he goes, do you realize that you're, you're, you, I want you in math theory tomorrow. I want you to skip two levels. 
several levels, and I want you in math theory. I had no idea that I was smart. I'm here to tell you if you're listening, you're breathing, you're smart at something. And you have greatness in you, within you. You only must grasp it. So I decided at one time, you know what? I've been back in the corner far too long and I'm coming out swinging. And what I'm coming out swinging against isn't any one individual. It's impoverished thinking. It's the pain and the hurt that I grew up with and I allowed that thinking. I am a king, my friends. You guys, at geoholics, you are kings. And you allow what's in the gateway of your mind. You allow things to be put out into the universe. You do. You are the king of your own life. Now, if you're a Christian, yes, I understand. But still, if you are a Christian today and you're listening, I'm here to tell you, it is, does say in the Bible that you are sons and daughters of the most high king. That makes you princes. That makes you queens, or future kings and future queens. That means you have God's authority. So don't sit there for a dang second and tell me that you're a slave to anything or anyone. I'm here to tell you that this present state of your life can change with a thought, with a thought. I don't care if you're sleeping in your car right now or you're living in a multi-million dollar home with a thought, with an understanding that you are king and there's nothing you can't do if you decide to do it. You just only must believe in you. And I'm telling you, you're looking at, you're listening to a man who wanted to kill himself many times in his life. I am no stranger to what the taste of a barrel feels like in my mouth. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be so depressed and so hating myself that I wanted to do away with myself. Certain circumstances, the universe and the good Lord, whatever you want to say, intervened in those moments. And you're also listening to someone who's talked three people in real time out of, out of suicide, of which I took a nine millimeter out of Marine Corps veterans' hands. Because, because I helped him in that moment in the parking lot of the VFW to understand that he had greatness in him and that I loved him. Let me tell you something. I don't have to see you today to tell you that I love you. I do love you because I know there's greatness in there. I choose to believe that God put it there. And if you were really honest, I mean nakedly honest with me right now, you would know it's there. But somewhere along the lines, whether it was people making fun of you, whether it was your abuser as a child, look, I understand what that's like. I was molested as a child. My wife was raped and molested as a child. I was physically abused as a child. I was mentally abused as a child. That is not the person you are. Those things were done to you. They were mm. not you. Yep. Mm -hmm. You are bigger and you are greater than that. All you have to do is move forward. This is the same thing in business, in life, in coaching. When we look at businesses, sometimes businesses are so low on themselves, they don't see any way out, and they just accept the status quo, and they just start to die on the vine. All they must do is rekindle that greatness. Remember those first days when things were hard and it was you four and no more, and you can remaster that and bring that love and bring those juices back into your organization. You can bring these things into your personal life. All you've got to do is believe. All you've got to do is believe, and I already know that it's there. It is in there if you were honest. No question. And, you know, they say it all the time, the mind's the most powerful muscle right uh in the human body and uh you know there's no doubt about that and uh I, I appreciate you you know being being humble and sharing sharing those stories michael um i know that's not always easy to do but man oh man that that's super powerful stuff right there absolutely for oh, sure it, it gets easier the more you share it I, it's easier yeah. because when you see some i'll never forget one time speaking at an event and i walked out a guy i had known for years was there and he came out and he is just bawling and he says, I have no idea, had no idea that you'd been molested. And we actually 
uh, he was older than me in school. And I said, yeah, man, I, I was most, he goes, how do you, how did you talk about that? And I said, well, the more I talk about it and the more that I move through mm-hmm. forward, the more I help others, the better I get, the sooner I get over it. And he said, I've never told anyone this in my whole life. And he just started bawling. And he talked to me about his molestation. Sure. Talked to me about the physical abuse that he suffered as a child. And he was free from it from that moment on. And it changed his life. I saw him less than a year later at my daughter's gymnastics uh, meet. She was like, I think she was five or six gymnastic meets. And uh, he had lost like 75 pounds. He's a great Mm. big guy. And I did not recognize him. He said, I'm no longer carrying the weight of that in more ways than I ever could tell you. He said, I owe you for this. He didn't owe me for this. He did the work. Mm. I only needed to see he only need to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think <clears throat> I have to believe that, you know, 90% of the people that are in that situation, as far as being molested and that type thing, they're, they, they don't talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it and they just live with that for their entire life. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, w- what an inspiration. And we bring this into the workplace and that's why oh, yeah. workplaces yep. need to start to figure this out for their people. Right. If they don't start leading on a high level and start to build that emotional foundation, how in the world, that emotional infrastructure, how in the world do they plan on helping people? You're asking these people to be with you more than they are at home or with their families. They spend more time at work anywhere else. And if you're anything like me in the mining industry, I could work anywhere from 70 to 90 hours a week. And I did that for almost five years, gone away from home for five months, not at a time, but I was gone in increments five months out of the year. I was gone. We need to start making room Mm. and less people hurt, the more they're going to do. And the more that they know that you're faithful to them, no matter what, and you are at work taking the shame from the pain, I'm telling you, you will, you, you'll have to be beating them off with a stick to keep them from running in your door. Yeah. So where do you see, uh, where do you see Bowman legacies going in the next five or 10 years? What we're doing right now is we're building uh, a system within the organization called legacy. U. Um, it's on our website where we have coursework. We're implementing and folding this coursework up and uh, the, the coaching systems that we're utilizing right now. And what's nice about these things, you can do them on your own time. Hmm. And so uh, like we're, we're doing right now a, a master class. That master class is called Pay Homage to the King Master Class. It gets four hours of content. It gets uh, three lives with me and three live Q&As fleshing these things out. And what that's great for is young leaders in your organization or older key leaders that need new inspiration and need some new juices flowing. This thing Mm -hmm. is going to change the dynamic of how they lead and live. But um, And then what we're also networking with um, some um, very well-known safety people to bring out something called the soft skills of safety, something they are not taught in college. And so um, I do have a safety background and it's kind of like one of my pet peeves is safety cops, people that are out there arrogantly and are acting like more like OSHA inspectors or MSHA inspectors instead of actual safety people that care. I really believe the safety function in the blue collar world is one of the masteries to your culture. It can be a pivot point to your culture and turn some real, some things around HR and safety need to be married. And so, um, we're building a system for that, uh, rolling that in. So we just want that to grow. I want legacy U, and, and our plans for legacy U is to continue to grow, um, on a massive scale. And we, we, I do speaking engagements. Um, I've done a couple this year already 
and conferences that I've been able to be a part of. And uh, that's really nice because you can interact with people real time. So that's where we see it. You know, we've got a couple of books coming out. Um, hopefully I'll get uh, at least one out next year and then maybe a second one. It's kind of hard when you're doing all this other stuff and you're trying to write books too, but um, <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the, the, the first book you mentioned that you're working on now? What's the, what can we expect from there? Can you give us any, any tidbits or insights or uh, a little Some preview? Of my story, it's uh, building a legacy that will far surpass your legend. All right. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's how it's my tagline. That's what everybody it's knows great, me. Great title, by the way, Michael. Great title. Yep. Seven years. So it's the key structure to do the, to, to building that legacy. One of the chapters is uh, the art of getting over your own shit. So I um, <laughs> love it. <That's> awesome. <laughs> love it. That is awesome. So you mentioned the website. Uh, tell the folks what that is. Okay, so our website is just kind of our hub. It's a great place to come. Uh, obviously, it does have uh, the coursework on there. It's a good way to contact us for uh, personal coaching. Um, I think where my largest following is is on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's M-I-K-E-L, Bowman, B-O-W-M-A-N. Um, and uh, that's where I do a lot of interacting and thought leading. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, but uh, I don't know about you guys as an ex or the, the, uh, the social media thing is really wearing thin on me. So we yeah. do, <laughs> yeah. we base everything pretty much on LinkedIn. It's a phenomenal place to get a hold of me in real time uh, for, for, for anything at all. That's great. Yeah. I love it. And tell me, what, what is the website? It is uh, Bowman Legacies uh, at my, oh my God, I should be so prepared right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> And, and my wife is like rolling over and her, she's like, oh my gosh, Michael, it is bowmanlegacies.mykajabi.com and that's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. If you put bowmanlegacies.com, it'd probably come up. So nice. And that that's, well, outside of LinkedIn, that would be the best place for people. That would be to the best place. Yeah. Okay. And it has a place to contact us and email us and everything for speaking engagements or for coaching services. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, man, oh man, so much to dissect. We could talk for hours. Oh, I know oh, it's I know. getting late where you are, Michael. Um, no, I'm good to go, man. What, uh, man, oh man, is there anything else that you want to make sure we get out there before we, uh, let you go? I think for me, man, it's just like, we, we need to start ushering in hope. Right. And if we look at all these social media platforms, even in our own businesses, we feel it. When we go to work, we feel it. We feel it. And the work needs to be that safe place. And I'm not trying to be flaky. You know, we say these things and it sounds so flaky to us blue collar people. It's just like, come on, safe place. I'm in a D9 right now and I'm pushing right? off a 200 foot high wall. You know, it's just like, I'm a blaster or I'm, you know. Uh, I'm in the middle of this field trying to track out and find geological trends, you know, within it, see if we're actually going to drill here or not, you know, but it is true. We need to have these safe places for us to go to and build teamwork. One of my favorite scenes in any movie, which is a bullshit movie. It has nothing to do with the great story, but it's the movie 300. But there was a king named Leonidas and there was a place called Thermopylae where they were holding this million man it said million man army at bay and they weren't didn't start off as 300 people they got dwindled down to 300 but i love the part where he was like they're meeting the greeks you know and as they're meeting the greeks he's like oh you brought some people he's like what what are you doing he's like the guy says something like i'm a farmer what do you do i'm a sculptor what do you do i'm a this 
And he yeah. says, Spartans, what yeah. is your profession? That's awesome. <laughs> 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 what that just simply meant was we're warriors. Yeah. That's what we do. And that's the kind of camaraderie that Bowman Legacies brings into organizations. And that's what you got to strive for. There is so much garbage going on in this world. Why not make the worst place, the workplace, the best place to be? Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? What exactly. else are you doing? What are you doing? No doubt. Anytime there's a 300 reference, it it gets me going. It gets me going. Oh, one, yeah. one of my yeah. top five movies. Well, like you said, you know, time. there's a lot of fluff in that movie, but you oh, can't yeah. deny that this, you know, that place existed. There was that king that existed. Yeah. Those armies did exist, and they did come in that one little spot, and they had they did hold them back. All the other stuff you can say doesn't exist, but that definitely happened. So motivating right. the fact that you can apply it to uh, Right. Yeah. You know, everyday <laughs> exactly. life. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have anything. Well, I do have more, but uh, for another time, I suppose. How about you, Sean? Anything else? Man, I, I, I could go on for I, I, deep diving into uh, everything that we just talked about and yeah. examples and everything else, but uh, n- not, not, not right now. All right. All right. Well, Michael, <laughs> hey, thank you again so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I'm juiced. No doubt about it. I always love being on here. I hope we've inspired somebody today and I hope someone's ready to eat a house. You know, just get out there. I <laughs> love it. Go out there and build that legacy. Inspire others to do the same. All right, man. Awesome. Well said. And uh, again, thank you so much. All right. With that taking us out there you have it definitely yeah. adding value and making friends i mean my god the energy. so good if uh if you'd like to be a guest on a future show or have any uh topical ideas give us a shout at info at the please support the breast cancer awareness fundraiser uh the link yeah. is on all our social media outlets metallica fuel available everywhere great choice until next time everyone take a look in the mirror and uh, give michael a shout absolutely most importantly be safe and healthy Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, prostarcorp.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. Topodot, new.certainty3d.com. And finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.